Good morning, church. Welcome to BC Online Service. Today, my sermon entitled, Dealing with Our Excuses. Let me begin today's sermon by just sharing with you a bit of my story when I was young. You know, when I was primary three, I joined the Boys Brigade in my school. I joined because I was attracted to the smart uniform. However, the activity did not interest me and I started to go MIA for the parades. But there is this BB officer, his name was Edward Ding, who was also the school discipline master. She never gave up on me and would always patiently catch me, you know, because I went MIA for the parade. He would patiently teach and correct me in a loving way. And that touched my heart. I don't move by his act of love, I decided to go back to BB. And on one occasion, I remember he shared the gospel to me. And that was my first time in my life I heard the gospel. And I believe, as a result, I asked Jesus to come into my life. I became a Christian when I was in primary five. And since then, God changed my life. Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he will be a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Amen. Indeed, the change in my life also gave my family a shock. You know, then I was then a problematic child. I remember when I first become a Christian, my parents were strongly against it since they were such a strong Soka background. However, they relent. After that, they saw because they saw change in my life for the better, as I no longer give them discipline problem, and also my result in school improved tremendously. You know, I'm very grateful to Mr. Edward Ding for sharing the gospel with me. I cannot imagine if Mr. Edward Ding didn't obey the call to come and show love and share with me. I think I won't be here today. I'll probably be partying somewhere out there. You know, like why many of you are here because someone cared to share the gospel with you. He or she acted upon the calling of God to share the gospel to you. Amen. It wasn't long after I trusted the Lord that I realized that I need to tell someone about what God has done for me. We are all called into His kingdom. Why are we called? You know, we are called for a purpose. We are called to know Him and to make Him known. God has commissioned us to go and make disciples. You know, Jesus has given us a marching order in Matthew chapter 28, which is that we are called to the Great Commission. He said, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. Amen. Firstly, do you know about the verse, by the way, the original language, these words are addressed to everyone. They are not addressed to what we call, we might call professionals. Well, some of you say that the Great Commission is for the preacher to do, and the evangelist, the missionary. No, 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 no. You see, this verse addressed to every one of us, the businessman, the homemaker, they're addressed to students, they're addressed to executive in the office, and the guy on the work site. They, they are addressed to everyone in BC. You know, we are all commissioned to do this. And I mean you. Secondly, in the original language, this is a command, not a suggestion. 
It is not a great suggestion. It is a great commission. Jesus is effectively saying, Look, I brought you with my blood. You belong to me and I'm ordering you to now go out into the world and preach the gospel. And there is a command. And since I am a disciple, this is what I need to do. But I want you to notice something else in this verse. It is not just preach the gospel. It's make disciples. Going to all the world and make disciples of all nations. Teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. What does that mean? It means that my objective as a Christian is not just merely to proclaim Christ, but it is to the best of my ability with the help of the Spirit to proclaim Christ, lead people to faith, and then disciple them. We are all called by Jesus Christ to do this. If you are not doing this, I'm going to say something that might seem radical, but it's true. You know, if you're not doing what I've just said, then it could, it can be a sin before God. Well, now you're going too far, you say, Andy. You see, there are sin of commission and omission, right? Sin of commission. What is sin of commission? It's doing what I should not do, such as breaking a command, crossing a line. What is sin of omission? It's not doing what I should do. Because I'm told in James 4, 17, any person who knows what is right and does not do it, to him, it is sin. We are all called to bring the gospel. Sadly, for many, the great commission has become the great omission. We have a lot of excuses for not sharing the gospel. Today, my message, we want to, I want to help you to change that mindset, to bring all the excuses before God. As we go through the sermon today, at, the, at every pointer, if you can identify with these excuses or you have ever said similar thing before, I want you to do this. Just write it out on a blank piece of paper or on your notebook. And we're going to do a prophetic act after the message to cancel out all the excuses that we have for not sharing the gospel, for not making disciples. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to help us this morning. We're going to ask the Lord to open our eyes to see our own excuses. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may you come to speak to us with this story of Moses. Help us to see the relevancy of this passage in our lives and help us to discern how we can change our mindset to be more Christ-like. Open our spiritual eyes to see that your presence is all that we need. May you be your presence be with us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let me say something that may surprise you, but I believe that evangelism can be fun. Yes, fun. Did you just say fun? Yes, because it's exciting to be used by God. Amen. Let's take a look at someone in the Bible. His name is Moses. You see, people have been making excuses since the beginning of time. And Moses was no exception. Moses was in fact the top excuses maker of all time. The excuse king. Let me summarize to you Moses' earliest years in case you have not read Exodus. The story starts from Exodus chapter 3 verse 1, uh, chapter 3 verse 1 to chapter 4. Moses was an Israelite born in Egypt and during the time when his people were enslaved by Pharaoh 
it was this time that there was a command that every Israelite baby boy born was to be thrown into the Nile River. And after Moses was born, his mother hid him for three months until he could not hide him any longer. Then Moses' mother sent him down in a basket in the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter found Moses and decided to keep him. And Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household. And Moses became a well-educated man. And as years passed, Moses grew up knowing his own people were in bondage to Pharaoh. And it made Moses mad. One day, Moses saw an Egyptian beaten one of his people. Moses came to the defense of the Israelite slave and ended up killing the Egyptian. When Pharaoh learned what Moses did, he tried to kill Moses. So Moses quickly fled to the country of Medan. This once proud man who lived in the palace with Pharaoh was now on the run. Moses eventually settled down and became a shepherd, caring for sheep far away from his Israelite people and Pharaoh. Forty years have passed since Moses ran off, and Moses was standing sheep and minding his own business. When he came across a bush, that was burning. What makes this bush so remarkable was that it was on fire, but it was not burning up. This intrigued Moses and he moved forward. Then God called to Moses from within the bush. God shared with Moses his plan and how Moses was going to lead his people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, out of slavery. Now, can you imagine what Moses was thinking? when he heard what God was telling him. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a burning bush moment? Have you ever felt like God is calling you to do something difficult? Something that will really challenge you? If you said yes. For example, how about Ben? God is calling you to reach Ben, your colleague. You have been working with him for years. How about Susan, your classmate? God is calling you. Mr. Lim and family, we staying next door, your neighbor. Or God is calling you to run a happiness group. You know, some, sometimes it's really hard when you feel like God is calling you to do something you feel inadequate to do. And it's far easier to tell God, Lord, maybe next time, or offer an excuse. Let us go back to the story of Moses. You see, God was speaking to Moses through the burning bush and God told Moses something very important. In chapter 3, verse 10, let's take a look at the scripture. So now, go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. That's the mission. The mission for Moses God had a plan for Moses. Here is the big problem for Moses. Moses really do not want any part of God's plan. I can only imagine when Moses heard what God has in store for him, it only brought back painful memories to him. Egypt was a place Moses had left on the run. He was running away from Pharaoh and I believe Moses wanted to forget that part of his life. Now God was telling Moses that he had to go back, return to where he grew up to rescue his people from slavery, whom some of them might not even consider Moses as one of them. Beside that, meeting up with Pharaoh who wanted his life as well, 
You know, I'm guessing that Moses was very contented being a shepherd taking care of sheep at that time. Let's continue Exodus chapter 3, verse 11 and see how Moses answered God's call. Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? You see, Moses shared with God his first excuse, his first objection to what God wanted to him to do. Remember when I said Moses is the king of excuses? So what is Moses' first excuse to God? He said, I am a nobody. Who am I? I'm a nobody. I'm an 80 years old man. I've passed my prime, already passed the average lifespan of his generation. 80 years old. I'm a shepherd over sheep. I'm not a leader of men. You know, beside, who am I to speak to Pharaoh, who is the highest authority in Egypt, the king? You know, what would Moses, what was Moses dealing with? You know, I think Moses was dealing with self-doubt. Anybody here listening to me have ever have self-doubt? You see, Moses lacked confidence in himself. Moses was asking, who am I to represent God? Who am I to do God's work to free the sons of Israel from the Egyptian? What was God's response to Moses' excuse? Let's listen to this. Exodus chapter 3 verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people of Egypt, you will worship God in this mountain. You see, listen to God's answer to Moses. Moses said, who am I? God responded, I will be with you. Huh? God, do you understand Moses' question? Moses said, who am I? God responded, I will be with you. That's doesn't sound like God is answering the question, right? If Moses was a 20th century figure, I wonder if a counselor would respond to Moses' question. What do you mean who you are? You see, you are somebody. You see, you are so talented as a human being. You can make a difference. Look deep inside you. You will see that. But God, however, didn't say anything like that. He didn't say, Moses, I've chosen you because you are the most capable person I, can, I could find. God didn't say, look deep inside yourself and you will succeed. Instead, God simply said, certainly I will be with you. No confident boost, booster, no stroking of the ego, no assurance of Moses' own value or ability is given. Only the promise, I will be with you. Who am I? I will be with you. Who am I to speak to King Pharaoh? I will be with you. Who am I to bring Israel out of Egypt? I will be with you. You see, what is God trying to tell Moses? Church, His presence is all that He needs to succeed. Let me say it again. His presence is all that He needs to succeed. Amen? You see, God is telling Moses that His presence is more than enough to give him the confidence. I remember my son went through a period of anxiety when he was very young. Whenever we brought him to attend some classes, he would feel very anxious and always ask us to be around somewhere that he could see us. And when he saw us, he would feel uh, uh, no more anxieties. Our presence gave him some sort of confidence. 
So in the same way, you see, God is giving a very important and practical assurance that it doesn't matter who you are, as long as you know that I am with you. That is all that matters. Amen? Likewise, His presence is also so important to me as I grew in my faith. And every time I'm about to connect with someone or speak, I will take a moment to pray, Lord, it's not about you, but about you. It's not about me, but you. I pray for your presence to go with me. Give me the strength, confidence, and words to engage. I will pray like this in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, God answered the doubt of Moses with the promise of his presence. This echoes the same sentiment of the New Testament writers such as Paul, who noted, if God is for us, who can be against us? Growing up for myself, I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself because my elder brothers and sisters are very outstanding. They both excel in their studies. On another hand, I struggled with my primary school. It was only after I joined the boys' brigade and I be slowly began to understand that my identity is in Christ and through God, I can do all things. My life began to change. And when I was in secondary school and tertiary, I was completely different. I was found favor in my teacher, scored better in exam, and was even selected to be student leaders too. And I'm not here to boast, but I was, what I'm trying to say here is that my success comes from God. Amen? Because I know it, it, it was never for myself. Who am I? I will be with you. Who am I to speak to King Pharaoh? I will be with you. Who am I to bring Israel out of Egypt? I will be with you. See, God has given Moses assurance. The deliverance of the people didn't depend on the ability of Moses, but on the presence and power and the sufficiency of God alone. When God selects people to serve His purpose, He will always provide His resources for them to be successful. Amen? Who am I to share the gospel? I will be with you. Who am I to make disciple? I will be with you. Today, Jesus is saying, I will be with you always to the end of the age. Amen? When we do the Great Commission, when we share the gospel, we can be sure that the Lord will be with us. And secondly, God said, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. What is this sign? What does this will be the sign to you means? You see, God is giving Moses a vision to see into the future. A vision to see into his success in bringing the people out of Egypt. Moses is promised that he will successfully return with God's people to the very mountain where he is standing. This is a sure promise sign of success given to Moses. God is guaranteeing success to Moses. Isn't it wonderful? Amen. And isn't it wonderful if your boss comes telling you, I'm going to give you a project to do and I will work on this project with you. When the project is finished, I will give you a 100% raise in your salary. Let me ask you, will you do this project or not? You will, right? You see, the secret of success that the disciple had, in fact, is that the presence of God is always with them. You know what? God's manifested presence is the key to our breakthrough, without which it could never be possible. It is impossible to operate in the supernatural without God's presence. 
Having the presence of God with us is more than anything, more than the riches of fame or power. We can do anything when the presence of God is with us. Amen? You see, Moses was filled with awe in the presence of God. Are you? And can you say this together with me? When God is for us, who can be against us? When God is with me, success is guaranteed. And one thing you can be sure that is that His presence will be with you. And also, you will find success in doing the Great Commission. Amen? Let's move on. What was Moses' response to hearing what God has to say? Did he say, okay, God, since your presence is with me, I'm going to go. No. Let's take a look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? He gave the second excuses. What shall I tell them, Lord? I'm ignorant. Moses wondered how he could tell Pharaoh, who believed in pagan Egyptian gods, that the God of his ancestors has sent him. Moses was worried. He was afraid. Moses was full of fear. What is Moses afraid of? There are two groups of people that Moses was afraid of. The elders of, of Israel and Pharaoh. These two groups would know of Moses in some way. You see, Moses was not an unknown character. Moses had been hiding for 40 years. And Moses started questioning God. God, I don't have all the answers to the question they may ask me. What happens if they ask me and then I don't have the answer to? God, what shall I tell them? I will be a fool before them. How did God respond? Let's take a look. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. See, God's response to Moses' second excuse is, if anybody asks you who sent you, you just tell them, I am sent you. You see, God identified himself using a terminology which is critical in both Jewish and Christian understanding of his nature. The I am. The God and eternal God. The Almighty and Eternal God. The Jewish will be able to understand the weight and power of His name, I Am. You see, God used the phrase, phrase I Am, indicating His eternal, uncre uncreated, necessary, absolute existence. And this connects to the Hebrew word Yahweh, and most often seen as Lord, Jehovah. In other words, God implies that I will give you the language that you need to convince your hearer. How do you respond to God when you feel inadequate to do something that He has called you to do? You know, we often give the same excuse today. We don't know what to say. I, I don't know enough. You know, we try to excuse ourselves by saying that our knowledge is inadequate. Let me ask you, since you know you lack the knowledge, can you then work on equipping yourself, church? What knowledge do you lack? the vocabulary of the gospel, or the knowledge fact of the gospel. Most of us still struggle to articulate the truth of the gospel in a simple, coherent way. How are we going to overcome these obstacles? You can do so. You know, one of the primary ways we can overcome our lack of gospel knowledge is by gathering as a cell to walk through how to present the gospel. Your cell leader will guide you in this. Practice sharing with one another that 
practice makes perfect. You know, if you are faced with difficult question when you share the gospel, not to worry. You do not have to answer your friend immediately. Tell him that you will come back with an answer. Write down the question and discuss with a cell leader. I think one of the ways is to use your testimony. Do you know that everyone's testimony is powerful because it's a story about moving from death to life. Amen? Giving your personal testimony is a way to share the gospel with others by explaining your personal salvation experience. A traveler once asked a man in China, Have you ever heard the gospel? No, he replied, but I have seen it. There is a man in our village who was the terror of his neighborhood. He had a violent temper. He was an opium smoker, a criminal, and a dangerous man. But the gospel had made him gentle and good. He's no longer smoking opium. No, I have not heard the gospel, but I have seen it, and it is very good. And I'm sure many are waiting to hear the gospel because they have seen the transformation power of the gospel. Amen? How did I learn to do Alpha? How did I learn to use Gospel Bridge? It is because I have learned it and practiced it many, many times. If you don't have anyone to practice with you now, do it with your parents, children or husband. You know, with what you have learned and practiced, God will tell you what to say and how to say it. Amen? Important to take note, you know, if you continue reading in chapter 3, you'll see that God also gave Moses the exact words to say when he is before Pharaoh, as well as the outcome. Amen? God knew what each group need to hear. And God is reassuring Moses that he will be with him. God is willing to answer the question. God just wants Moses to trust him and obey him. Will that be enough for Moses? You know, it's like your boss come to telling you, you're going to do a presentation, but I will script up every word you need to say and give you all the answer to the question people will ask. Will you do that? If your answer is no, let's continue to look at Moses' third excuse. I hope that you're also discerning as you are hearing me, writing down some of the excuses as the Lord speak to you. Let's move on to Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me and listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? <clears throat> you see, Moses went from, who am I? I'm insignificant. What shall I tell them? I'm ignorant. To the third excuse, what if they will not believe me? What if they will not believe me? I'm incapable. What was Moses concerned about? Will they believe me? Moses was asking, will the elders of Israel and Pharaoh believe what I'm saying? Will these people believe and listen to me? You see, this, this statement demonstrates Moses' heart of unbelief. Moses was focused on self by stating that they will not believe him. Was it about Moses? No. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, do we convince people of what we can do or what our God can do? It's about what our God can do. Amen? I get what Moses was asking for. Moses was asking God for credential and validation that what he was asking was from God. Moses was afraid that no one would believe him. Let's see how God responded him. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 4, verse 2 to 9. God gave Moses a sign. Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff. 
He replied, Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And he was so afraid that he ran from it. Then Moses, then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that I, the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand into your coat. So Moses put his hand into his coat. When he took it out, his skin was leprosy. leprosy. It became as white as snow. Now put it back into your coat. And he said, so Moses put his hand back into his coat. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. If they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the nail and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. God once again answered Moses' excuses. You are afraid people will not listen to you? Let me give you three signs, validating that you are my chosen one. And God responds by giving him a several convincing proof, which symbolizes authority. Staff turned into a snake, represent God's power and might. The serpent from the very beginning of the scripture represents Satan, God's adversity, and was used to demonstrate that God's power is more than enough to overcome the adversity Moses would face. By turning the staff into a serpent large enough to frighten Moses and then to have him pick up by the tail. By the way, something you know to take note, no snake handler in his right mind would do that since the head of the snake will be free and uh, uh, curl around and bite you. So, you see, God demonstrates his power over Satan, a kind of power only he has. Amen? Second, Moses' hand turned white with leprosy, and then is healed. Represent God's power to inflict diseases and power to save His people and heal them. Throughout the Bible, leprosy is a model for sin. Curing leprosy was symbolic of forgiving sins, something only God could do. Amen? Third, the miracle of turning water to blood represents a foreshadowing of future plagues. Blood is the symbol of life, something only God can give. To the Jewish mind, these three things alone could have clearly identified God as the almighty power behind Moses. The people could see that Moses did not come based on his own power, but on God's power. Some of us hesitate to share the gospel for the same reason. You say, I'm afraid of what others might think. What if they will not believe me? We serve that same powerful God, church. God doesn't give us a purpose without giving His credibility. We can be sure that God has proven Himself time and time again if we don't have to worry about unbelief. Like Moses, I have doubt too. Whenever I share with my family or friends, I remember I was with a friend. I was a bit hesitant to share the gospel because he was a staunch Buddhist. At the beginning, I hesitated for a while, but knowing that he was 
also not well at that point of time, I began to share with him of how God healed me before and I offered to pray for his sickness. Surprisingly, he accepted. Weeks later, he came back to me and he said that he had recovered. Somehow, he didn't credit to the doctors but thanked me for praying for him. And this gave me the open door to share the gospel with him. Amen. You know, in Jesus' name, we are given the authority to heal the sick, heal the brokenhearted, set the captives free. Church, exercise this given authority so that people will know that we come in the power of the Almighty God and they will believe you. God's job is to convert people. It's never our job to convert. You see, our mission and my calling, the, the command is to go out and to get this message to as many people. So, don't allow fear of failure keep us from trying. We, we, we need to keep in mind what Jesus taught. The Lord must come first. He has made it clear that we must be more concerned about what He thinks than what others may think. But just as God gave Moses convincing proof, He also has given us necessary evidence to convince others for those who are looking for evidence. You see, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And evidence concerning the resurrection of Christ fulfilled prophecy. There's so many. With such aids, we cannot justify our inactivity in sharing the gospel with others. What's more? You see, God has also given us the authority and power to share the gospel. Do you think all these signs, the creation and the validation that Moses one thing will be enough? Will Moses come to his senses and lead? Or will he give another excuses? Let's take a look at the scripture. Exodus chapter 4 verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. You see, Moses went from number one, Who am I? I am insignificant. To who shall I tell them, what shall I tell them? I'm ignorant. To what if they do not believe me? I'm incapable. And finally, he said, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. I'm incompetent. You see, I think Moses was being honest and true about himself. Moses understood that speaking was not a strength of his. Yes, in fact, Moses said that he was slow of speech and tongue. Some commentary believe Moses had a speech defect, that maybe Moses had a stuttering voice. Moses had to be thinking of himself again. Why God will you choose a guy who have a tough time speaking to be your leader? You know how painful it is for me to speak in front of the crowd, to pronounce the words correctly, and to think to say just the right thing. You know, Moses was full of doubt. During my early childhood, I was not uh, eloquent uh, in speech and language too. I couldn't even say a simple words like thank you. And I remember in, 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 my, in my earliest childhood, I have to go for speech therapy in KK Hospital. And after the trusted Lord, I was slowly given a platform to speak and disciple uh, boys and BB boys. And that was when I was stretched and trained. And let me be honest to you, I would never imagine I could stand on stage to talk as an MC or speaker when I was younger. 
But let me share a truth with you in this. You see, God is looking for someone to use. He's not looking for qualified people. He's looking for an available person. God stopped looking for ability. God himself has the, all the ability. God is looking for availability. God doesn't call the qualified. Listen, he qualified the call. That means that God can use you. He can use anyone to start talking about Jesus Christ. But we got to get started. Amen? You might say, I don't have the gift of gap. I'm not comfortable standing in front of people. I can't be that, that person. No, church, God can use you. How does God respond to Moses' excuse for not being a gifted speaker? Listen to this. Exodus chapter 4, verse 11 to 12. The Lord said to him, Who give human beings their mouths? Who make them deaf or mute? Who give them sight or make them, make them blind? If it's not I, the Lord, now go. I will help you to speak and teach you what to say. God posed a question to Moses to refocus him to what is important. Who give us breath, life? Who is in charge of our lives? Does Moses realize how silly it sounds to complain to the Creator about His creation? God is able to make man from dirt and can enable him to represent the Creator. How much more power does God have over His creation? I like what God said in the end. Now go, I will help you to speak. I will teach you what to say. You see, God is once again assuring Moses that he will be with him. And I will help you with the words to say. I will teach you how to inspire people. I will be with you, Moses. Church, the bottom line here is that Moses wasn't supposed to rely on his own ability, but rather on God's power and sovereignty. Amen? You see, Moses claimed that he is not an eloquent speaker, but God is not moved by his objection. God already knows his inability of those he called, and God is able to make up for everyone's shortcomings. Amen? He even arranged Aaron to be Moses' mouthpiece. Some Christians try to use this excuse as well. You know, some of us use this, I'm not an eloquent speaker. You know, God will help you with the words to say. God will teach you how to inspire people. At the very least, you can also invite others who can speak by arranging meeting of our friends. Like what Cornelius did in Acts chapter 10. He just arranged and bring, invite a friend. Someone will speak. I like a slogan that I learned while I'm going through training in Young Musa Church on how to run happiness group. Amen. Let me say it again. In English, you don't have to be great to begin. Once you start, you will become great. Amen. Is there an area in which God is leading you, but you have been hesitant to step out in faith? What is your biggest fear? How do you see yourself? Take some time and be honest with God about your fears and hesitation. What did? What do you say, Moses? Are you ready to lead? Are you done with these excuses? Are you willing to put your faith in me 
What do you think the answer is? Let's take a look at the scripture. Exodus chapter 4 verse 13 And Moses said, Lord, I repent. I give my life to you. I'm ready. I go. Hey, wait a minute. Wrong. Exodus chapter 4 verse 13 say, But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. What? Moses, you're too much. Can you? You know, Moses said, please send someone else. You know, he's like ordering God what to do. Please send someone else. I think Moses, you're too much. You know, can you imagine your boss assign a project to you and give, you give him all the excuses even though he tried to assure you. And finally, you tell boss, boss, I think you better assign to another person. Let me tell you this. Your boss will tell you, then you no need to come back tomorrow. You know, one might think that his assurance from the Creator God, from the, four, the first four excuses that he gave will be enough. God has given him all the, the assurance. But Moses still had a fifth and final excuse. And Samuel, what? Order God what to do. Tell God what to do. Have you ever said this? You know, I don't think I can do this. Another person will do I don't have the time to do this. Another person will do what Moses is saying to God with excuse 5. That God, please, I'm begging you. Please send another person other than me to do this job. I really don't want to do this job. You see, what is Moses' focus? Again, only on himself. Moses can only see what he sees in himself. And Moses can only see himself as a nobody. A person who lacks answer. A person that is not believable. And someone who is slow to speech. Moses is telling God, I'm not a leader. I'm just a shepherd. All these excuses are covering the big word. Simply, Moses say, I'm not willing. I'm unwilling, God. The question Moses should be asking is, God, what do you see in me, Moses? I believe God sees something special in Moses. God sees the final product in Moses. God knew Moses was the perfect leader despite the flaws. God has been preparing Moses his whole life from the time he was a baby and was scooped out of the near by Pharaoh's daughter. How do you think God's response to Moses is? Listen to this in Exodus chapter 4, verse 14 to 15. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? How I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you. And he will be glad to see you. He will, he shall, you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and teach you what to do. At this point, God's patience was wearing thin. At least, that is how I see it. You see, Moses was not willing to do what God has called him to do. He continually refused God's call. And that made God very angry. And God was angry with Moses of being, for being reluctant to do his work. In the same way, it is true for us today. You know, sometimes we say, Lord, I, I, it's not the time. You know, I will do it later, but not now. Let, let me wait for a while. I'm, I'm willing. You see, church, we have been given the most blessed gift in this world. Amen. And we tend to keep it to ourselves. We love the grace that has been extended to us. But we often 
content to enjoy our freedom while ignoring the call to help others still trapped in their sin. We pass by neighbors on the street who know who we know is not a Christian without witnessing to her or him all these years. We ignore the many people who are looking for acceptance and companionship. We offer excuses to God like, well, I, I, I don't know anyone there. Or, well, I, I don't want to be alienated by, uh, by them, by witnessing to them. I'm not sure that they have heard the God. I, I, I think I have, they have heard the gospel story before. I don't want to, to be inconvenient. I just let someone else do the job. I'm too busy with work and family, with my things that I'm doing right now. I have no time. You see, even though Moses continued to refuse, refuse and God was angry with his response, God, still in his mercy, gave Moses another opportunity to represent him. And this time, God decided to give Moses what he wanted. Another leader who could speak, his brother Aaron. Moses, reluctant to obey, didn't deter God's perfect plan to be fulfilled. Amen? He's not, he, he, he not only provides Moses with a chain of command to represent him before Pharaoh and Egypt, he also raised Aaron, his brother, to be his spokesperson. Thus, God addressed Moses' complaints of inability. I believe in this point, Moses finally understands what God wants him to do in his job. And if he continued to reject, I believe we wouldn't have this great man to learn from. You know, God will definitely raise up another person to do this job. Not a problem for God. But Moses will have missed out all the great blessings in his life. And you will have no legacy to pass on. As you continue to read Exodus, you'll see God used Moses to be the leader that God called him to be. It's a great story of how Moses led the people of Egypt, the Israelites, were set free from captivity under Pharaoh in order to serve God. And God gave Moses one of the most important jobs in history. Amen? In conclusion, what do we take from this story? How can this story apply to my life? Number one, fix your eyes on God. Fix your eyes on God. You see, as Moses looked at all his weaknesses, oh, timid, insecure, lack knowledge, and challenged his speech, you see, Moses focused too much on himself. It is easy for us to judge Moses for his excuses and his unwillingness to do God's work. But if we look deep down into our own heart, we will realize that we will actually act no differently like Moses. God wants us to do great things through him. If God can do great things through a murderer, he can also do great things through us. Amen? After we recognize the grace of God has lavished on us, we will begin to live the life God has called us to live. We should be encouraged and strengthened by God's revealed power, both then and now. It is never about what we can do, but what our God can accomplish with everyday, ordinary people like us. Amen? Let's learn to look not at our own insignificant, but on God's significant presence. Look not at our ignorant, but at all knowledgeable God. 
look not at our incapability but on God's adequacy and supreme power. Look not on our own incompetency but at God's ability. Amen. And finally, surrender our unwillingness and look towards God's promising success to us who learn to fix our eyes on Him. We know what amazing plan God has for us if we would quit making excuses and start following Him in faith. So the second application is this, move out from our comfort zone. Moses left his position as a shepherd. All was good at that point and after some fighting with God, but he eventually obeyed his calling and moved out to accomplish the task God assigned him to do. It looks like a really difficult task, but if we really study the scripture, there really was very little things that Moses had to do. Most of the speaking was done by Aaron and what he has to do is just conveying God's message to Pharaoh and God did the rest. He didn't even have to fight a bet any better. All that Moses needed to have was to have faith. Amen. Today God is calling us to make disciples, but first you must share the gospel. You may face certain challenges, but remember this, when God calls us to do something, He will grant us everything that we need. It just requires us to put our faith in Him. You see, faith will command you to do what you have never been able to do. Faith will command you to do what you have convinced yourself that you are unable to do. Faith will cancel every excuses. Amen? And God is looking for someone like you. Let not be guilty of the sin of omission but be amazed by God's power and the plan He has for us. If we would quit making excuses and start following Him in faith. Have you used any of the excuses of Moses when God has asked you to serve Him in some ways? What are some of the excuses we make for not doing something that we know we should be doing? What was that, the outcome? What we are going to do right now is we're going to bring before God all these excuses that you have written down and declare that no more excuses from now on. Amen. Are you ready to do so? Let's worship God with this song. You know, the Lord is going to make us a new person once again. Let's sing. Thank you. 
This morning, let's lift our hands before God as we hold with our hand all the things we have written down, the excuses that we've written down. We're going to bring before God right now. And we're going to ask God to help us this morning. Shall we? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that you use us, the imperfect. To accomplish your will today lord we bring before you these excuses we have responded to you before please forgive us for looking at ourselves instead of looking at you please forgive us for loving our own agenda than yours today please help us to look beyond the task the work but rather to look at the promising success that is awaiting for us when we begin to obey and do what you call us to do. Today, Lord, we want to cancel out all these excuses that we had believed in. Right now, can you just stick out your pen to just stripe off all the excuses on your notebook that you have written down? Or if it's on a piece of paper, I want you to just crush it 
as a prophetic act this morning to cancel out all these excuses. Just take a pen and just cancel out all these excuses that you've written out. I'm going to give you a minute to do so. Or just crush the paper, the, the paper that has written all your excuses. I just want you to do this right now. Amen. As we cancel these excuses, let's continue to pray. As we cancel these excuses, we declare that our adequacy and ability are not important. What is more important is that we know that we serve a powerful God who has all ability to help us to do the task we need to do. Today, Lord, we begin by taking the step of faith that we will not procrastinate anymore to be available, to, to make ourselves available to you, to do talk, that we will this week talk to someone, to pray with someone this week, to show love to someone this week, to help someone this week. As we trust in you, we will find stability from your promises. Give us the confidence to move forward with our day, knowing that your presence will be with us when we obey. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Amen. No more excuses from this day on. Amen. Thank you for listening.